Well, I want to share a few brief thoughts with you as we end this series. Um, I got to thinking this week as we've talked about what it looks like to fight the good fight of the faith. And um, honestly, a lot of it feels a little heavy. Uh, It feels like we have a lot of responsibility. In this series, we've talked about um, uh, fighting against our sin nature. We've talked about being good soldiers of Christ. We've talked about putting on the full armor of of God. Uh, We've talked about the the necessity for us uh, to fight well. Uh, And it feels like a lot of responsibility. And honestly, there are many times that uh, most of us are going to fall short of being the best of soldiers. And we're not going to fight the fight of the faith in the way we wish we would have. And we will make mistakes. And so today, I just wanted to end with just an encouraging uh, note. Uh, Just just by way of just kind of settling your heart into this fight of the faith uh, that you may walk in victory. Uh, but first, let me go back and just read our theme verse as I've read every week. It's uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And our heart is that we as a church and you as individuals would take hold of the life that God's called you to. And that happens, it begins with fighting the good fight of the faith. Um, And today's theme verse is actually found in Exodus chapter 14, verse 14. Um, And just let this be an encouragement to you. I just pray that this scripture, as I I read it over you today, would just um, encourage your heart and you'll rest in this truth as we talk about fighting the good fight of the faith. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And here's the truth that I want you to walk away with today if you hear nothing else, is that throughout your life of faith, there are many fights. And it's important for you to put on the armor. It's important for you to be a good soldier. It's important for you to kill your flesh, man. It's important for you to do all the things that Scripture calls us to do in fighting the good fight of the faith. But it's also important for you to rest in the truth that God fights on your behalf that you don't fight alone. And when you get to the end of yourself and you got no more fight left in you, and there's nowhere to turn, there's nowhere to run, there's nothing you can do to get past the point that you're at now, God will fight for you. He does fight for you. There is victory available for you through God, through Christ. And what he does in our lives trumps always what we can ever do for ourselves. And so I actually want to just spend some time walking through Exodus 14 with you. And let's just kind of wrap our minds around this idea that God fights for us. But let me pray for us before we do that. Lord Jesus, thank you for this fight of the faith that you've called us to. And thank you for an opportunity, Lord, to fight well. Thank you, Lord, that we can uh, be soldiers for you. That we can arm ourselves for battle Uh, that we can take seriously our faith and and wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces that are all around us, knowing that uh, the enemy, Satan, wants to destroy us and he wants to harm us and he wants to cause us to turn from uh, the life that you've called us to. But I pray today that we'll settle into the truth that even when we get to the end of ourselves, we can trust in the fact that you fight for us. And that you never leave us stranded on the battlefield, that we never stand alone when we're fighting for the Lord. And for that, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. 
I want to read through Exodus chapter 14, but let me kind of catch you up. Most of you, if you're familiar with the Bible, if you've been in church for much of your life, you've heard the story of Moses parting the Red Sea and the children of Israel escaping from the Egyptians as they walked through. But uh, let me just kind of bring you up to that point. Uh, Moses was um, a Hebrew. He was uh, an Israelite that was actually raised in Pharaoh's household by the grace of God at a time when... uh, Israelite babies were being killed. His mother put him in a basket in a river, and he was rescued by Pharaoh's daughter. He was raised in royalty, but one thing led to another, and he ended up murdering. He feared for his life, and so he fled. He fled from Egypt. He turned away from the royal life that he was used to, and while he was out tending sheep in his father-in-law Jethro's field, the Lord appeared to him, uh, spoke to him through a burning bush. And basically asked Moses to go back to Egypt some years later and set the people of Israel free. Over 600,000 men, not including women and children, were currently at this time enslaved by the nation of Egypt. They were under Pharaoh's oppressive thumb. They used the children of Israel, the the children of God, uh, for slave labor and for 430 years they had been enslaved to these Egyptians. Generation had come and gone, and all that the new generations knew was slavery. They had heard stories of how God had moved on behalf of the people of Israel in years past, but they had experienced nothing but oppression. And then God spoke to Moses, and he said, go and set my people free. And Moses resisted initially, knowing the daunting task that it was, but Essentially, God assured him that his presence would be with him as he went to accomplish this task. And uh, through 10 plagues, 10 signs, 10 wonders that God performed through Moses, God revealed himself um, as present and on the side of the Israelites to the Pharaoh and to the Egyptians. The final plague was uh, the plague of the firstborn, the plague on the firstborn. And essentially, God killed the firstborn of every household. The only children that were spared, the only firstborn that were spared were were those of the children of Israel who had followed the instructions given by God through Moses that they were to kill a, uh, a lamb, that they were to make a sacrifice and take the blood and put it on the doorpost of their home. And that would speak to the death angel as he went throughout the nation of Egypt, that he would to pass over those homes. And so what we're left with is a Pharaoh that's distraught. No household went without someone dying. He understood in that moment the power of God that was opposing him. And he spoke to Moses. He sent word to Moses and said, take your people and leave. We cannot stand up against your God. He is greater than us. Just take your people and leave so that we can be spared. This is an answer to prayer if you're Moses. To the nation of Israel, this is an answer to prayer. And so... Moses gathered his leaders and they set the people of Israel out on a journey out of bondage, out of slavery, into freedom, into a future that they had never experienced, anticipating a life that they could have only dreamed of up to that point. And so we're going to pick up the story as they're on their journey out of Egypt toward what would eventually be the promised land. Exodus chapter number 14 beginning in verse number one. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi-Heroth between Migdal and the sea. 
They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Belzephon. Now, they're going away from Egypt. They're going towards somewhere new. And God tells Moses to turn back, backtrack, and go back towards where you've just come from. That's concerning to people. Verse number three, Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord, so the Israelites did this. God is putting the children of Israel into a precarious situation here. He has just displayed his might through the plague of the firstborn. They are now free. Pharaoh has released them, and they are now led by God back toward Egypt, and they're to encamp there by the sea. He says that he's going to harden Pharaoh's heart so that Pharaoh will pursue them again, trying once again to enslave them. Verse 5, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We've let the Israelites go and we've lost their services. A light bulb goes off and they realize we've just let go over a million people whose sole job in life was to serve us, to make our nation great. We had them at our disposal. What have we done by releasing them? We've lost so much. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt, with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Piharoth, opposite Bel Zephon. One of the things that came to mind as I was studying this week and reading over this story is the fact that, that God put the nation of Israel in a dangerous position. They had just been freed, and he put them back into a position where they're now being pursued by Pharaoh and the Egyptians again. In fact, they're overtaken there by the sea. Now, you've got to think, if, if you're one of the children of the nation of Israel, if you're one of the Hebrews that's been excitedly pursuing a better life, only to turn around and go back towards your enemy and have them approach you, with hundreds and thousands of soldiers and chariots coming to re-enslave you, this doesn't feel like a good position. And like that in life, we all face difficult seasons, we all face difficult circumstances and situations, and many times we think, this isn't from God because he wouldn't do something like this. And we try to explain and reason away why we're in those situations. Sometimes we take responsibility for being in situations that we shouldn't take responsibility for being in, because sometimes God puts us in a position that may seem contrary to his blessings for our life so that he can prove his faithfulness to us. Now, we're going to see that he does just that for the nation of Israel. That he puts them in this position where they feel as if they're going in the opposite direction so that he can prove to them once and for all that he is for them and that he's firing for them. Verse number 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. Listen to this. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. 
They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us into the desert to die? What have, we, what have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. You ever just got down in life? You ever just lost the mindset of victory and lived in defeat by choice? This is what the nation of Israel is doing in this moment. In this moment, they are so terrified because of the situation they find themselves in that they long for slavery in Egypt. They complain to Moses, their leader, why did you even bring us out? We wish you would have just left us in slavery. Life was better in slavery than it is now. And you said that God was delivering us. You said that God was going to set us free and that you were going to lead us into a promised land. But now we find ourselves staring down an impossible situation and surely we're going to die here in this moment. I mean, was it because there weren't enough graves in Egypt that you brought us out here to die? If I'm being honest, and I think if you'll be honest, we have seasons of our life where we tend to complain about the obstacles that we face. Where we tend to long for things that are less than best because they're seemingly less difficult than what we're facing in the moments. But remember, God put the nation of Israel in this position. This was the hand of God in their life. This wasn't the hand of the enemy opposing them. He's putting them in an impossible situation so that he can show his faithfulness to them. But they can't see that because all they're doing is looking at the armies of Egypt, pursuing them and coming to overtake them. Verse 13, Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord that the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. And here's our verse. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. The Egyptians that you see pursuing you, you will never see them again after today. Hang in there with me. Trust me. Please, just understand that today, God will deliver you from the hand of your enemy. Easier said than done, but notice what he says. You need only be still. You know, a more accurate translation of that word still is actually silent. In fact, some versions of the Bible actually use the word silent there instead of still. It's not telling the nation of Israel, don't move physically. He's not saying, just stand here and get walked over. He's basically saying, stop complaining. Stop voicing the thoughts that are in your head that this situation is an impossible situation. As my mom used to tell me, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. And the same applies to you spiritually in life. You know, there's power in your words. There's life and death in the power of the tongue. And many of us put into words thoughts that are from the enemy. We face impossible situations that are terrifying, that seem as if we'll be overcome. And we just give up. We just throw in the towel. We just say, God can't help at all in this situation. We're surely going to die. And we just 
seal our fate with our words. And Moses is saying, would you all just be quiet? You are not going to die today. God will deliver you. He's setting you up to see his mighty hand. And as he gets the nation of Israel to settle into the moment, not knowing what would happen, God comes through. Verse 15, Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Did you know that sometimes your life plays out in ways that will bring glory to God and not glory to you? That the aim of God is not to bring glory to you, but that your life will bring glory to God. And if we'll surrender our lives to him, we'll get to see some of the most incredible, impossible situations come to pass because God is acting on your behalf. He's fighting for you, but he's doing it for his glory. And we see that Moses had rallied the nation. He'd calmed them down, and and God says, why are you still standing here? Well, to Moses' defense, he's backed up against the Red Sea on one side, and on the other side is the Egyptian armies that's pursuing them. He's got nowhere to turn. He's got nowhere to hide, nowhere to run. He's faced with an impossibility on one side and defeat on the other. What do you mean, why am I standing here? Where do you want me to go? And God says, stretch out your staff over the sea. And he does. And he promises that they're going to walk through on dry land. Then the angel of God who had been traveling in front of Israel's army withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud that brought darkness to one side and light to the other side, so neither went near the other all night long. This is important to note too. When when Moses led the children of Israel out of bondage, God manifest his presence for them in the form of a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. They were assured that his presence was with them. But notice what happens in this moment. The angel that was there to protect them moved from in front of them to behind them. The presence of God in the form of this pillar of cloud, this pillar of fire by night, moved from in front of them to behind them. So as they marched away from their enemy into this impossible situation, they couldn't see the presence of God. You ever felt like God just kind of disappeared from your life? Like you were sure he called you to do something or you trusted in him to do something and then you just felt like he abandoned you? Just nowhere to be found. I felt like that many times in my life. God, I know this was you. Where are you? Only to discover that he's just relocated and he's fighting for me in a different way. We can always trust the presence of God, even when we're in difficult situations, that he'll never leave us or abandon us. He simply repositioned as a form of protection so that as they traveled through this Red Sea, he, he didn't let the enemies get to him. 
Verse 21, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground, with a wall of water on their right and a wall on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. And during the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud of the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He made the wheels of their chariots come off so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from these Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Now, a nation of over a million people traveling by foot, though the Lord had parted the Red Sea, would never be able to outrun an army with chariots and horses. But by the grace of God, his presence protected them from their enemies. And then he began to fight for them, literally. He began to throw their armies into confusion. He began to make wheels fall off their chariots so that they realized we're being opposed by the living God. We aren't just pursuing a group of people. Their God is against us. And even they realized we need to turn around and leave. They had already had this realization at the last plague. But now they're being led back into the same situation. And God, again, is being faithful to them. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord sent them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of the Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, their servant. Can you imagine being up against an impossible situation? There's a sea on one side, the enemy on the other, and all of a sudden, God sends a wind that parts the sea. You begin to walk through on dry ground, but they're still pursuing you. And all through the night, still, I'm sure, with fear in your heart, you're moving away from your enemy with walls of water on either side of you. You're in the midst of a miracle, but you can't see the miracle because you're fearing the enemy still. And then at daybreak, as you're able to look back and see your enemies pursuing you, Moses stretches his hand out again, and it's like the waters just cave in on your enemies. But you're still on dry ground marching out. And when all's said and done, everyone in the nation of Israel marched through that sea onto dry ground on the other side. And the bodies of their enemies began to wash up on the shore. Not one of the enemy that pursued the nation of Israel escaped. They didn't survive. Yet all of the children of Israel survived. In that moment, there is a confidence that floods your heart that just says, God is for us. He just did something undeniably miraculous and delivered us from our enemies. You ever had a moment like that in your life? Maybe it, maybe it wasn't flooded with such a divine miracle, but you just knew in a moment that God had come through for you. 
And your, your heart was just flooded with a confidence, with a trust in the Lord that, that he is for me, that he's with me, that even in difficult seasons or situations or circumstances, God is acting on my behalf. That he's allowing all of the things around me to work for my good. That he hasn't abandoned me. He hasn't left me. He hasn't turned his back on me. He's simply allowing himself to prove faithful in the midst of the difficult times. Surely, after an event like this, there would never come a moment in the nation of Israel where they would question that God would be for them. Yet all through the rest of the book of Exodus, we read time after time, the nation of Israel grumbling, murmuring, complaining to Moses. Why didn't you leave us in slavery? Life was better there than it is now. Because life happens, and life's a battle. And if we're not still or silent in God's presence and trust that he's fighting on our behalf, if we feel the weight of the fight is all on our shoulders, we have a tendency to allow the fear that accompanies the fight to grip us and cause us to turn our faith away from the Lord time and time again. Listen to what Deuteronomy chapter number 1, verse 30 says. This is some 40 years later as the children of Israel are about to enter the land of Canaan, the promised land. There's fear because they sent spies into the land and there's giants. The people are bigger than they are there. And they thought, we'll never be able to inhabit this land. Moses says, the Lord your God who is going before you will fight for you as he did for you in Egypt before your very eyes. Have you so quickly forgotten what the Lord has done for you in the past? That when you stare difficult situations in life, you are overwhelmed with fear again? He's reminding them of God's faithfulness in the past so that he can get them to trust in him in the future. Sometimes fighting the good fight of the faith is having that. Simply faith, simply a trust and a confidence that God is with us, that God is for us, that he is working in all things in our life for his glory and our good. I remember when I was a student pastor at our last job and, and my wife and I felt that our time there was up. And when typically you would find a new job before you leave your former job, we just felt like it was time for us to resign and not knowing exactly what the future held. And I remember just having this sense of fear that, you know, am I, am I making a bad decision for my family? I feel like God is calling me to step away from where I am, but does this really make sense? It was as if I were staring at the Red Sea and and my enemies were pursuing me. And I can't tell you how many times in those weeks and months that I felt, you know, God, did, did I miss it? Did you abandon me? Did I make a mistake here? And yet God miraculously provided for our family until he could get through our thick heads that he wanted us to plant this church. Now, I remember when we set out to plant this church and I didn't know how to start a church. I, mean, I didn't know many people in this area. 
And I remember thinking, God, how could this ever work? How can we ever? And then I can remember God sending families slowly but surely to help us start the church. I remember getting kind of comfortable where we were and starting to kind of enjoy and settle into our lives. We had one kid at the time. My wife was working at the time. And I remember vividly several years ago when I felt like the Lord was telling me, your wife needs to stop working and come home and be with your kids. And I remember saying to my wife, I feel just like when we left Grace, I feel just like when we were called to start Synergy, I feel like you're supposed to come home. And we looked at numbers and it didn't add up. There was no way that we could live off of simply my income at the time. And I remember taking that step of faith and just having the fear, but knowing how God had come through for me in the past, but still just questioning, is this the right thing? And I remember the Lord providing another job for me so that we could make ends meet. And I remember the Lord opening an opportunity for my wife to start a business from home and still be with the kids. And I look back over our journey the last five years, and it feels like every step that we take forward that has felt like a step of faith, where we felt like we were going into a situation that didn't make sense, I always can look back and see God's faithfulness through it all. And today, through, through all of it, I can look back and say, God has been with us the entire time. And he's called us into some difficult seasons in our marriage as a family, financially, in faith, that would cause us to question where we are and why we're there. And yet every time, the assurance of God just follows right behind us. And I just wanted to say to you today, I, I don't know what you're facing, what situations you may be staring at. I don't know what difficulties you may be facing in life. You may be in a season of prosperity and blessing and everything may be great. But if and when you face difficult situations and you feel like God is calling you to go to a place that looks to be impossible, I just want to remind you to, to look back at his faithfulness in the past. It's not a promise that everything will be perfect in your life, and it's not a promise that he'll make your life what you want it to be, but it's a promise that he will be with you, that he'll always come through. I want to leave you with a few verses, Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In all things, in the bad seasons, in the difficult seasons, in the scary seasons, when change comes to your life, when you feel God's leading you in a different direction, God is working behind the scenes when you can't even see it for his glory and for your good. In Psalm chapter 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And I just wanted to tell you today that we've been called to fight the good fight of the faith, to take hold of the life that is truly life. That we would exercise our faith in such a way that shows that we're good soldiers for Christ, that, 
that arms ourselves for battle, that we will take responsibility for our actions and we would allow our lives to be lived in such a way that our faith is played out every day. But I also wanted to remind you that God is fighting on your behalf. If you're not fighting alone, that in difficult situations and seasons, God is simply giving you an opportunity to see him move on your behalf, perhaps like he never has before, so that you will leave that situation, you will leave that circumstance, you will leave that season, trusting God with a confidence that you've never had in him before. And I simply want to end by praying over you that God would reassure you of his presence even when you don't see or feel him and that he would reassure you that he is fighting on your behalf no matter what you're facing. God, you're good. Thank you, Father, that we can trust you no matter what. And thank you that you fight for us. Certain times in life, Lord, we have a tendency to allow fear to overtake our lives. And we have a tendency to turn from the life that you've called us to. And sometimes we even wish that we were in situations that you haven't even called us to. But I pray for everyone that hears my voice in this moment that even now you would assure them that you're fighting for them. That you're working everything for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. For those of us who may be facing difficult situations in this moment, I pray that you would give us a clarity of mind to trust you and to stand still, to stand silent, to stop allowing the complaints of the uh, that the enemy puts into our minds to dominate our thinking, but that we would rest assured in your grace and in your mercy that on our behalf you're fighting for us. And Lord, just as you did for the children of Israel, I pray that you would do for us in this moment, that you would deliver us from the hand of our enemies, that you would fight on our behalf, and that we would leave these seasons of our lives trusting you more than ever. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your patience. And thank you for difficult situations and seasons that you put us in so that you can reveal yourself in us and through us. I pray that you would receive glory through all of our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.